Johnson is the first of his kind. And he may be the last. Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today we are talking about The Terminal Man. Both the book and the film adaptation. Uh, <laughs> I have a slight history with this book as I... I read it while I was working on my degree, and <clears throat> and at the time, you know, it was interesting, because I am a big fan of Michael Crichton's novels, and this was one of his earliest ones, at least as far as I could tell at the time. It turns out that there are some that are earlier that he used to pay for med school, but this one is kind of one of the earlier ones that he actually put his name on. And subsequently, two years later, it was adapted into a film of the same name called Terminal Man, or The Terminal Man, uh, starring George Seagal. And, yeah, I overall enjoyed both the book and the film, just to kind of get that out of the way. Um, and I, I, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. This being my second time reading this book, it was a lot more of a brisk read than I remember it being. Uh, I remember reading it over the course of about a month or so, uh, the first time I read it, and this time I read it in about a week, week and a half. I did get sick uh, during that time, and it was a bit of a rough ride. <laughs> Had trouble actually uh, sitting down and reading because I was not very well. <laughs> so, <clears throat> let's get into it starting with the book and then around halfway point we'll switch over to the film the book uh has a back description that states this well it has a little tagline that says a fascinating splendidly documented thriller and the back uh, summary is harry benson suffers from violent seizures so violent that he requires a police guard when entering a los angeles hospital for treatment Roger McPherson, Dr. Roger McPherson, head of prestigious neuropsychiatric research unit, head of the prestigious, head of the prestigious neuropsychiatric unit, is convinced he can cure Benson through a procedure known as a stage three. During this highly specialized surgery, electrodes placed deep in Benson's brain send monitored soothing pulses to its pleasure canyons. The operation is a success, until Benson discovers how to get the pulses with increasing frequency. Then he escapes from the hospital and lapses into a murderous rampages, lapses into murderous rampages, becoming a homicidal maniac with a deadly agenda. And then the bottom little uh, tagline blurb is a brilliantly achieved and all too believable modern Frankenstein. <clears throat> I think that that overall summarizes it pretty well. It's fairly honest, fairly concise, and shows you just kind of how the the book is. Um, the book is a bit of a procedural drama, in, in a way, mixed with a, a hospital drama, which makes sense when you um, take into factor... You, you factor in the fact that Michael Crichton uh, created the series ER, 
which is a um, hospital drama. And he writes hospital drama really well. Uh, this is probably one of the only books that actually made me go, Ugh. you know, actually have a bit of a visceral reaction to what was going on because the descriptions of the gore in this are quite vivid. You are taken through the brain surgery. You're taken and shown some of the horrible things that uh, Harry Benson has done while on his rampage. Now, <clears throat> now some of the description of the back isn't a hundred percent accurate, but it's close enough. You know, it gets you. It gets the point across. Basically, what ends up happening is. <clears throat> what ends up happening is they go through the process of doing the surgery and everything and once they perform it and get him linked up to the uh, electrodes he does start getting the pulses with more frequency he just doesn't have any control over it it's just a, his brain is going through what they call a learning cycle where it's going into a positive feed feedback loop constantly giving him more and more doses because his brain's going, ooh, that feels good. And it just keeps going further and further, which then ends up lapsing him into a much more violent uh, seizure, pretty much meaning that it does the complete opposite of what it's supposed to do. And... They don't fully explain why this happens, though you can kind of get a sense of why it happens if you kind of look a little bit deeper into what happens throughout the book. Uh, one of the main reasons that it happens is that they, they planned on, immediately after the surgery, having him be sedated uh, until... <clears throat> have him be sedated until they were ready to, you know, let him go, you know, so that they could check to see if they had wired him up correctly and that, you know, the electrodes were doing what they're supposed to do. But because someone, uh, decided to write his, have, have bad handwriting when signing the paper, the nurses didn't quite understand the order of like who was giving the order and why. So they, didn't give him the medication. He 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 was just going full on the entire time. So this kind of sends his brain into a feedback loop of you know positive feelings, and then he kind of goes through what seems to have been his plan all along, which was to escape the hospital. His stated reason for this is that. He, so actually, real quick, some, some background. Uh, Harry Benson is a brilliant, or he's supposed to be a brilliant, like, computer technician. This is in the 70s, so computers are relatively simple uh, compared to the complexity of the computer itself, but also a lot harder to operate. So it, it's kind of a back and forth. He, at one point, after a car crash, starts having these violent episodes, and he also starts to develop the belief 
that machines are going to take over the world. You know, he he imagines a Terminator situation. And he is deathly afraid of this situation. And one event that particularly set him off, we find out, was the university hospital getting a almost supercomputer-esque thing. Basically, it's a computer that hits what uh, the computer people were calling a watershed moment. The watershed moment being when computers have the same or more memory capacity than humans. And that freaked Benson out. So, he accepts this surgery, uh, partially because he kind of has to, because he's been arrested, because he he's attempted to murder multiple people. And so he is signed into the hospital, and they start going through the pre-procedure. Everything is going okay. You go through the gruesome details of the surgery, which is actually kind of my favorite part of the book. And... Yeah, then, then he kind of snaps and starts running away. And I suspect that the reason behind this is he fully intended to go into the hospital specifically to kind of sabotage the computer, which he does kind of in the end of the book. So he, he has these things brought in uh, prior to his surgery, after he's checked in, by his, I guess, girlfriend, Angela Black. And she brings him tools, a wig, specifically a black wig, and, you know, just some some odds and ends here and there. And when he escapes, he, of course, takes the black wig and whatnot and vamooses. The hospital kind of goes and freaks out. And Dr. Janet Ross, who was against the procedure in the first place, and it is kind of for the most part of the book, sorry, for most of the book, our kind of main character. She's the one that you follow throughout most of it. Though you do hop over to the surgeons and whatnot every once in a while. But for the most part, you follow uh, Dr. Ross. Uh, she was against the procedure from the beginning. And has argued that because of his uh, state of mind against technology, that this procedure could make it worse. Because they know already that while it might stop the seizures, it will not stop him believing that technology is going to take over someday. So he he's a very you know, not great candidate for this surgery. And so her and the two surgeons kind of break off and check out his regular haunts. She goes to his house. Um, one surgeon goes to uh, a strip club he frequents. And the th uh, second surgeon goes to uh, his place of business, his work. <clears throat> and that's kind of where they find out his 
his hatred for uh, for specifically the university's computer. That's where they find out uh, well, that he he has like this weird love hate relationship with uh, strippers. It, it's a very weird thing because he likes them, but at the same time. He hates them because he sees them as machines. And it's it's a very odd thing. Uh, and the reason that they're kind of rushing out to try to find him is that they've determined that he's going to have a lapse over. He's going to t go over to the tipping point uh, of receiving constant stimulation and he is going to snap. So they have to try to find him before this and try to get him in to, uh, you know, reprogram his chip. Uh, they don't make it in time. After they check literally just those three places, they convene back at the hospital and just wait for it to take over, hoping beyond hope that nothing bad happens. But they get a call about... 20, 30 minutes after the tipping point that there has been a murder and that uh, they need, that they had found his like little radiation tag there and that they, they need to you know, help the police figure this out. From there, it's just kind of a bit slow. It, it, it stays fairly consistent, but... Here, it slows down a bit, but keeps attention lightly there, because she goes to see the murder, she goes to the murder scene, he killed Angela Black, and then stabbed her, and fled. <clears throat> she talks to the uh, detective there, who is then going to meet her at her house, and then they would both go over to the hospital. Because he needs more information about uh, Benson, his, you know, atomic pacemaker and whatnot. And so she goes home, showers, you know, changes. But when she hears someone knock on the door, she tells him to come in and, you know, tries to direct him to, like, get coffee and whatnot. Only to find out that it, it's Harry. Harry came to her house and... They have a chat, like a weirdly calm chat. Uh, then he lapses into a seizure and attacks her. And she, like, he chokes her out. And the only way she's able to stop him is by turning on the microwave, which interferes with the electronics of his pacemaker. Uh, and he flees. She passes out, wakes up to the uh, cop, you know, helping her out. And then they go to the hospital. They end up getting a call from Benson. And they try to trace it, but they find out that it's coming from within the hospital. And that's when they kind of start to figure out, only after he starts to, you know, turning systems off, that, oh, he's probably there for the computer, you know. he's Their theory is that he's confusing computers. He's... Instead of the one that's directly in his head, he's thinking that the one that's controlling him is the big one, 
in the hospital. And that's not entirely true. <laughs> that's not exactly what's happening. But that's what they believe he believes. Um, and they are half right, at least. Like I said, I'm pretty sure that he's there to specifically attack the computer because he it's something that he just purely hates. And that's kind of what he ends up attacking when when he goes into one of these seizures. Um, it ends up in a bit of like a basement chase slash shootout. Uh, the computer gets destroyed and she shoots Benson. And the thing that had been hinted at the entire book uh, about like you know, don't don't damage the the pacemaker. Radiation will come out. Uh, happens. She so Doctor Ross is the one to shoot Benson. And at first she has this weird delusion that because it, it's a pattern I've noticed in Michael Crichton's writing is that he has at least in some books the like his cautionary tale books, he tends to have a a bit where one of the characters feels like they're pulling it back, that they can fix this, you know, terrible situation that's happened. But no. But when she shoots him, she thinks that he dodged the bullet when in fact he was reeling from having been shot. And it she so happens to have, I'm guessing, shot him directly in the power pack. So, so whoops, she did the one thing she wasn't supposed to do. Because the book literally ends with them, with a, a bomb squad going through the room with a Geiger counter, and the Geiger counter's going mad. So, and one guy just says, you should probably get out of here, because the radiation. But, yeah. So that, that's that's the book. Overall, I would say that the book is really good. It has its problems, of course. It was written in 1972. So a lot of the technology is from the 70s. A lot of the um, discussion of women is from the 70s. Like there's one scene where Dr. Ross is describing... Uh, her relationship with Dr. McPherson, like, she sees him as a bit of, like, a fatherly figure because he tends to have that fatherly presence. Uh, but there was a time when she was supposed to give a tour to reporters, and his reasoning behind why she was chosen was because she had a great ass. So, you know, not great. Another thing that was really annoying was just how much smoking is happening throughout the book in a hospital. Like there's a policeman that is stationed outside of Benson's room and he is smoking and just like flicking the ashes off of the side of his chair to an ashtray on the ground in a hospital and it's just one of those things where you go, wow, that must have been a really shit time to work at a hospital. Like, that, so many potential accidents and just 
terrible conditions. Like, oh my god. But yeah, so there, there's some. It, it's the seventies. As it is, uh, the way he writes Janet Ross is not terrible. Like she, again, is one of the main characters of the book. You spend most of your time following her around. She is probably the only sensible one to have suggested, hey, uh, we shouldn't do this. This isn't a good idea. Then she's also the one to actively kill Benson in the end. Though she was under the weird delusion that he had dodged the bullet. Overall, she, she plays a pretty good active role in the story. There's a few iffy bits in which she's you know, sitting there pondering what it would be like to be a pediatrician. There's a whole weird discussion about her having broken up with her boyfriend that she was going out with because he was rich. And that's about it. There's an entire, well, relatively short chapter uh, going into her therapy session for some reason. And overall, so she's not a, uh, she's not a surgeon in this book. She's a psychiatrist. Uh, she is the psychiatrist that's been working with Harry the entire time, trying to make sure that he actually is okay to go through with this surgery. And she has met on many occasions determined that he isn't. That's why she then asks Gerhard to to uh, keep an eye on him, like monitor monitor his uh, stimulations through the computer, and uh, you know make sure that he's keeping an eye on them every ten minutes just to see what's happening. She's also the one in the book to notice the problem. She sees the gr the graph and she goes, that's not good. <laughs> that is actually very bad. He's getting more stimulations more often. And she's the one to recognize that it, it is a, a learning cycle and a positive feedback loop. She's also the one to discover how Benson escaped. As they're searching around the hospital, she goes into a supply closet and finds his bathrobe within the supply closet next to the orderly's uniforms. Uh, <clears throat> she also is the one to find out that he, uh, he had blueprints because she investigated his house. Uh, yeah, and overall, I think she's a pretty good character, and overall, the book is really good. I would indeed recommend the book. But now, after a short little break for a bit of an ad, hopefully, hopefully there'll be an ad, uh, let us talk about the film. So, I'll be right back in a minute. Okay, and welcome back. I'm going to try to make obvious splits in episodes for for um, ads nowadays, just so that it's... It's easier to find and a bit of an, a better listening experience for everyone else. <laughs> but yes, the film The Terminal Man uh, that came out two years after the book in 1974. I will say that I am actually pleasantly surprised by this movie. Uh, as of time of recording this, I 
literally watched it about half an hour ago, uh, or I guess closer to about 42 minutes ago. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's really close. There are some events that are kind of mixed up a bit here and there. I'm pleasantly surprised because it keeps fairly close to the book while only changing relatively few events. So some of the things that are the same as the book, almost identical to the book, is the there's a dinner scene where McPherson and I think Morris are having a dinner with the PR, the hospital's PR guy, to try to kind of organize the things revolving around the surgery. Then Benson's arrival is almost perfectly shot for shot with the book. Uh, the pre-surgery meeting, the pre-surgery meeting, is fairly identical to the book. Um, all of the principal cast are there in some form. While they might not be fully named or anything, they are there. Um, those A lot of them don't play quite as much of a role, but that's fine for a movie. They've been cut down a bit. <clears throat> the surgery itself is mostly the same as it is in the book, though you don't get to see it. Where in the book, the surgery is very detailed and just, you know very thoroughly described. In the movie, you get glimpses here and there of what's happening. But for the most part, it's a side-on view. You don't actually really get to see what's happening. Um, the interfacing scene is, for the most part, the same. The thing that's slightly annoying is that they've decided to switch what some wires do. Um... And then the hunt for Benson, where they go to his favorite strip club, the his house, and his job is the same, but it's on a shorter time frame. In the book, uh, they discover his escape around 11.30, 12 o'clock midnight, and his first tip-over point, and the only tip-over point that they're able to track in the book is set to happen at 6.04 in the morning. Which makes a little bit more sense than the way that they did it in the movie. <clears throat> Where he's set to tip over at 3.02. And when he tips over, uh, he does the attack as it's described in the book. But she's putting on her makeup at 3 o'clock in the morning for seemingly no reason. Whereas in the in the movie, sorry, in the book, it makes sense because she's getting up for the morning to put on her makeup. So it makes a lot more sense. But anyway, and then Harry's house call to Doctor Ross's house is relatively the same in the uh, movie as it is in the book, except that when he attacks her, he seems to be going in for a hug. Instead, where in, in the movie, it is a full-on attack. Sorry. In the book, it's a full-on attack. Where in the movie, he's going in for a weird hug. 
and she stabs him and then she runs off to the bathroom and hides until he leaves and in the book like he's choking her out in the kitchen and she has to turn on the microwave to get him to leave but again for the most part relatively the same some things that are new and a bit weird uh benson now has a family when he started having the seizures he beat his wife and then she divorced him uh and took the kids with her that is not in the book uh he also seems to have more of an enhanced phobia of technology this change makes sense but it's also a little bit odd because it's taking it to a bit of an nth degree because in the book harry benson is he is like afraid of technology and where it's going to go and where it slightly has gone so far but not quite to the extent he is in the movie in the movie he gets into his hospital uh, room and he says that this bed's gonna have to go because it, it's an electric bed you know one of the ones that you can automatically adjust and the tv's gotta go because he, 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 he doesn't want the tv there and that that's not quite the level that harry is in the book in the book he seems to be only at that level in his own home where the outside of his house is very normal and plain looking but the inside is like supposedly lavishly decorated like according to the description louis the 14th's house it's it's very weird but no technology in his house uh but throughout the book when he's like waiting for the surgery and post-surgery he's he watches tv happily so yeah so that's a bit of an odd addition um there's also a guy so when the surgery is taking place, there's a guy that's just narrating the surgery. And the thing that's kind of cool is the things that he's narrating is exactly what's written in the book. So in the book, you know, it's describing, oh, they have to take each of these things that uh, has 20 electrodes each, and then they have to precisely place it in and whatnot. And that's really cool. It's also very awkward and kind of rips you right out of the story. And the editing in this movie is not terribly great because they keep cutting him off mid sentence. Like he'll, he'll be describing what's happening to the people around him. And then like halfway through his description, it'll just cut back to the surgery. It's very odd. Another thing about the surgery that's a bit weird is they're very, very much more um, talkative during the surgery. There's a lot of weird banter during the surgery and the surgeons make a, a snide comment about psychology. Uh, and it cuts to Janet. And it's kind of there for a couple of seconds. And then she flips them off. So that's also a bit of a knock against the editing there. It is a funny scene because, you know, he's like, oh, this is much more interesting than psychology. And then the other surgeon says, eh, I guess so. 
and then she flips them off. Uh, immediately after the surgery, they go to a a kind of boring party that's I'm guessing supposed to be like a celebrate celebration, like hey, we did it, the first the first thing, hell yeah. But it just doesn't work quite as well as it, it improves some of what was happening. But for the most part, everyone just kind of went about their business. The The whole point of a lot of what happened post the surgery is the fact that everyone had to then just go about their business. There wasn't this big hurrah, except for like a, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, congratulations, pat on the back situation after the interfacing uh, and they were drinking coffee. Other than that, um, nah. They, they just went about their business. Because the whole point of it is that it was supposed to be simultaneously routine, but at the same time, the first time this has happened, it's one of the annoying things about uh, the book is the way that they treat it is both this is super important, a massive stepping stone in history, while at the same time, it's routine. Don't worry, we've done this a thousand times. It'll be fine. They also compressed the time that the surgery took. I, d I don't know why they did this, because both in the book and the film, they do kind of... They compress the time that you personally experience, but at the same time... For some reason, they also shortened how long the surgery supposedly took in the film. I, I, I don't, I don't get that, because in the book, the surgery itself took about an hour and a half, while in the movie, it only took about forty minutes. I don't, I don't get that. <clears throat> um, throughout a lot of the film, we we do uh, now follow Benson as he does these things. So it's not a situation in which they come across it eventually we follow Benson as he murders Angela Black as he goes and kills a pastor which is not in the book um, as he stumbles around a, a graveyard and interrupts the funeral of a little boy that was a really dark addition that I don't fully understand why it's there that's probably my biggest complaint about the film, is that they completely changed the ending. So after his visit to Janet's house and his subsequent stabbing and escape from her house, he goes just stumbling through a cemetery, comes up to a grave in the ground, and then just hops in. He hops in. Uh, when the funeral procession gets to him... They call the cops and whatnot, uh, and then he just gets shot in the grave, and then the movie ends. There's no explanation of like what happened or anything, why, anything. It, it's it just that's just how it ends. I mean, it's fine, but it just ends that way. Some things that were relatively the same, but also tweaked slightly. So Ross. Dr. Ross being against the procedure is a constant in the book, 
but she tends to keep it relatively to herself. She only voices her objections to like one other person and she she only her her only way of expressing her displeasure with the surgery is through minor passive aggressiveness and trying to get the surgery thrown out by doing a this like um psychology test to prove that Benson isn't fit for the surgery but that's that's it that's all she really does in the book um she does have a moment in the book when everything's going to shit where she says I've avoided saying I told you so because I don't need to say it everyone knows that I was right <laughs> and that kind of thing whereas in the movie literally before he goes uh, uh, Benson is put in front of the uh, board the meeting the pre-surgery meeting to um ask him questions she literally just straight up tells benson to his face i don't think this you should do this i am against this surgery which is fine it makes it short sweet and to the point um the wig is like a blondish brown now instead of black which is a bit odd mostly just because um the the point of it in the the point of difference, I guess, in the uh, book was that his hair color changed drastically. Like, um, he, they go to, where do they go? They go somewhere. I think it's to a bar and ask a guy if he's, he's seen him. And he's like, oh yeah, Harry. Uh, but it looks like he dyed his hair because the, the wig's supposed to look almost perfect for some weird reason <laughs> uh, in the in the book. But they cut all of that out, so it, it doesn't really matter. Um, during the surgery, he's lying down for some reason. Uh, in, in the book, it is stated that he is he's sitting, so he, he's pretty much just sitting in a chair, and that's part of the reason why they strap him down, so that he doesn't, you know, like, fall out of the chair. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's just laying down in the film for some reason though, though they do tilt him a bit which is I guess fine um oh in 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 the film he actively does not take his medication in the book uh, as I, I stated before it was a miscommunication between the doctors and the nursing staff because um, McPherson, who runs the entire floor, uh, fucked up signing his own name. So they were waiting to call uh, to ask questions. And Dr. Ross is like, fuck that. Get him the medication now. But by then it was too late. Um, and then there's another small uh, difference. It was a nice touch to see in the in the film. It was that when Dr. Ross goes to put on the gloves in the surgery, uh, she fucking fumbles and, like, two fingers end up in, in one of the glove fingers. And in the book, it is 
specifically noted that they're all too busy with the setup to have noticed that she she fucked up putting her hands in the gloves. And supposedly this is an issue she constantly has and why she doesn't like going into sur- into the surgery. Because, one, she doesn't really need to be there because she's a psychiatrist and not a surgeon. But in the movie, it deliberately points out that one of the doctors definitely saw that she fucked up putting on the gloves. And I just find that funny. It is funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's... That is the kind of major differences between it. The thing that changes the story the most is the ending, because it kind of completely erases his his motivations, his hate for technology and whatnot, and the main reason why the idea of putting a computer in his head was a bad one. Instead, they go down this weird route where he's tormented by by it he kills Angela then he goes back to his work destroys the robot he was working on has a a mental breakdown seeks help from a priest accidentally kills the priest flees goes to uh, Dr. Ross's house and gets stabbed then goes to a cemetery and gets killed there. Where in the book, he he goes to the hospital, destroys the computer, gets shot, and the power pack gets damaged. And probably um, everyone that was in that room that wasn't in like a radiation suit uh, is probably going to have one hell of a bad time afterwards. <laughs> Anywho, that is the movie, really. It is very close to the... It is very close to the book with some kind of glaring changes that, for the most part, don't hurt the story too much, except for the ending. That's kind of the only thing that kind of hurts the story a bit. But overall... I would say that the movie is a pretty decent alternative. Besides the fact that they've shifted a few things around and whatnot, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um. Oh, some some fun facts uh, about the film. It has two of the actors from the 1982 The Thing. And I found that very uh, fun. <laughs> um... It has this weird um, book ending, or it's hard to, so book ending, where it opens with a helicopter being loaded up with police and taking off, and then it ends with a helicopter carrying police landing. It's a bit weird, but um, I mean, I guess some, some style points there. It was kind of neat. They moved the dinner, the dinner scene from like the night before the surgery to just the very beginning of the film before Benson even arrives. That's a minor thing. I don't know. It's pretty good. Uh, I would say 
the only thing that also let down the film was its advertising. All over the material for for the Terminal Man's uh, release, like I'm looking at the the DVD cover, but it's also on the theatrical um, trailer for the film. Harry Benson is a brilliant computer scientist. For three minutes a day, he is violently homicidal. No, he isn't. He isn't in the book, and he isn't in the film. Why they used that as a tagline for the film, I don't know. But it, it's something that comes up repeatedly in the um, material. It It's on the, the cover of the film. I think it's in the in the back here as well it might not be uh no so it's it's weird that that's what they decided to go with as it's has nothing to do with the film <laughs> i don't know but yeah anyway let us go ahead and leave it there the terminal man the oh and I forgot to say what the um, reason for why it's called the Terminal Man. It's because um, one of the doctors, when just kind of after the surgery, is kind of pontificating about the the um, the meaning and whatnot of this surgery, he describes Benson as a sort of terminal for the computer in his neck that itself is also a terminal for the computer for the hospital because the the computer technician told the hospital computer what to tell the computer in Benson's neck which would then from there tell Benson what to do kind of thing and so it's it's a bit of a stretched metaphor but it it works out okay <laughs> but yeah and overall i think both uh, things are good uh, they might seem a little bit slow for some people but for the most for the most part I find it interesting because you're getting a look in at like a slice of hospital life you know because for the most part it's supposed to be a very routine procedure for them it's supposed to be you know it's a big stepping stone for them but for the most part it's supposed to be very mundane for them as well I would highly recommend, if anything, because the book, again, can be a little bit rough to get into. Between the two, I would say go for the book, but maybe go for the audiobook for some people, because I think you might get more interest out of it, hearing it as like a little radio play in your mind. Uh, if that doesn't work out for you, then the movie is an absolutely sufficient uh, substitution uh, but yeah, overall, I would absolutely highly recommend both the book and the film, uh, for you to check out. And the reason I paired them both together is I was worried that I wouldn't have enough to say about one of these on their own. So I paired them together because I also figured that the film was going to be relatively close to the book. And I was, I was correct there. I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> Anywho. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, next week will be Avatar The Last Airbender, book one, Water. Goodbye.